0: What's going on nation? AJ Riley here with Paul Roshan for Beyond the Box. Paul, we've been off for a week. You were down in Tennessee. Hopefully you got a little R&R. are able to refresh a little bit, come back ready to go for our show tonight. We got just a couple of things on tap and I'm excited to get to those. First, we're going to be talking about the Detroit Lions, but not this iteration of the Detroit Lions. We're going to be talking about the best team that we've seen in our lifetime, which for me is 35 years for you is a little bit less than that. I actually really still don't know how old you are. I feel like you're like 22 for some reason, but maybe that's just the high pitched voice. I'm not sure, but Unfortunately,
1: much older than 22 and (laughs) feeling every bit of my age today.
0: Much older as in, like, what, 26? Older than that, actually. We're not going to disclose stuff like ages. (laughs) There's
1: there's things you never ask a woman, okay? We don't talk about ages here. All right, fair
0: enough. I am pretty
1: young, especially compared to some of our audience out there, probably people in their 50s and 60s. And some of of our contributors, for sure. And some of our contributors. I do, I am glad that we made this compromise, as you said mm-hmm. you're a very compromising person, because a- as you alluded to, and we'll post the link to the article in the description, our good friend Don recent and he is old, he's old enough to know all these teams, he probably coached some of them in the early 1900s, but he wrote an article recently about the best Lions team ever. And so he approached us and he said, why don't you guys... Kind of piggyback off my article and do a show on what you think the best Lions team ever were. And AJ pitched the idea to me. But something that I strive for, we strive for, AJ too, I don't want to frame him out of it is to give you quality when we talk about things beyond the box Mm -hmm. and that quality assumes that we have a good idea of what we're talking about and we could sit here and we could hit our google machine and we could read all the articles that we wanted to we could pull up some old film and try to have an idea of what this team was like in the 50s and 60s and 70s but at the end of the day we didn't live that and so it would be inauthentic and quite frankly contrived if we were to talk about those teams. So I talked to AJ and it gave us slim pickings, unfortunately, but I said, let's do best Lions team that we've actually watched. And we have our own parameters about what qualifies as that. And we'll get into those as we talk about them. AJ is going to start us off with his and AJ does have a longer frame of reference than I do, although not much longer. Even if he looks a lot older than me, he's really not.
0: Look, man, a couple kids, a few different careers, a couple moves in the life will give you gray hair sooner than you want gray hair. And bad genetics will give you a shiny head instead of a head full of hair like you have. So it just is what it is. I have been around a little bit longer than you. And when I started to think about, okay, we talk about best team in our lifetime, right? It is one of those situations that you got to go back to when was the last time the team had success and what do we define success as well for me you look at a team that was the last team to win a playoff game which would be the 1991 detroit lions you're talking about guys on this team like chris spielman benny blades on the defense talking about barry sanders Eric Kramer, but we'll talk a little bit about him. We're talking about receivers. Brett Perryman, Andre Ware was also on this team, though it didn't get much run. And so this is a team that throughout the regular season, they had bookend games with the Washington Redskins, is how their season ultimately unfolded. They started the season off with a 45 to nothing loss to the Washington Redskins. Then they ended their season in the conference championship with a 41-10 to 10 loss against the Washington you're Redskins. Not,
1: you're not, I'm going to be honest, AJ, you're not selling me on how great this team was yet. You better pick it up.
0: Well, hold on. I'm getting there. Now, when we talk about those two bookend losses, yeah, they were pretty bad, okay? 45 to nothing to start the season, 41-10 to 10 to end the season, but they were in the conference championship game and they lost. That Washington Redskins team is the team that, ultimately put a hurting on the Buffalo Bills in the 1992 Super Bowl as well, and we're Super Bowl champ. We're talking about the ultimate champions here, right? That's who they played. That's who they faced. But this team, after they lost to the Redskins, went out, won five straight. Then they lost to the 49ers, okay? Then they went for a stretch, lost, or yeah, they lost two out of their next three, and then won out the rest of the season to finish the season at 12 and four. And they were carried along by a defense. that was a very much bend, but don't break defense. They were a league ranking in total yards of 11th in the NFL. They were carried primarily by a guy that you know and love very well, Barry Sanders. When you talk about best teams, You also have to talk about best players on those teams, which I know you're going to get to when you talk about your team. But this team is one of the greatest Lions teams that's ever played because this team did what very few Lions teams have done since 1957, and that's win football games. When you're talking about winning stretches of games where they win five in a row from week two to week six. And then they win another from week 12 through week 17, capping off the season with an overtime win against the Buffalo Bills, who were the Super Bowl runners up. You're talking about a pretty good football team, a team that went 12 and four. Now, they had a game manager, Eric Kramer. He was not a huge statistics guy, only threw for 1,600 yards on the season. But guess what? When you're turning around and handing the ball to number 20, you really don't need to have much more than a game manager. So when I and talk it's an about... era, an era
1: too, where your quarterback didn't have to carry you to kind For of because sure. it's when we talk about in modern times, not as many Joe Flaccos have won Super Bowls recently. It's mm-hmm. happened. Eli, we know Eli Manning won too, and he's probably going to get into the Hall of Fame because of that, even though he shouldn't sniff it. Right. But in, in the modern, really the passing era, the last. 10, 15 years especially, it sounds, oh my gosh, your quarterback only threw for 1,600 (laughs) yards. That's horrible. You must not have been a good team. But this is a completely different era of football. This is an era of football where a fullback could go in the first round As Lions fans, I believe it was the Lions that took a fullback in the first round, wasn't it? I think it was. I'd have to go back and look. I I didn't mean to pop quiz you here. I'm pretty sure it was the Lions that took a fullback in the first round way back when. But this was – it's just a very different era of football. So it's not only that you had Barry Sanders Mm -hmm. who, in my opinion – and listen, I didn't live through Barry Sanders' whole career. I did not. But I've done my homework, as the Mm -hmm. kids like to say. I've hopped on the Google. But what I really mean is, listen, I've watched – a ridiculous amount of film on Barry Sanders. And I have a lot of the old greats because growing up as a kid in, in learning the game and hearing the stories of these older players, of course you wanted to do that. And when the infancy of YouTube came out in, in a lot of, in the early stages of the internet, when people are sharing things on forums, it was fun to watch all these old tapes and not everything's more readily available. now; much easier to get your hands on, but of, we watch films on all the greats. And I would say- Listen, I haven't watched every snap of every great running back ever. Of course I haven't. But for my money, you'd be hard-pressed to find a better running back than Barry Sanders. So you yep. talk about the era that it wasn't the passing league it was today, mm-hmm. and you have a back like Sanders. Your quarterback only throwing for 1,600 yards isn't necessarily a detriment to your it, team. It's not or, a detriment
0: to their team. and if you or, think or mean about, that like, he was bad. And truthfully, I mean, he did throw for more touchdowns than he did interceptions, which we know that's not how you judge a quarterback, but – He threw for 11 touchdowns that year, which when you talk about a different era of football and you say that a conference champion runner-ups quarterback threw for 11 touchdowns on the season, you think, how did that happen? Sanders, talking about how great he was, over 1,500 yards on just over 300 attempts, averaged 4.5 yards a carry, and had 16 touchdowns on the season. So you're talking about the perfect situation for a team that was built around a all time running back. They could then use play action to get the ball to your Brett Perrimans could rely on a defense that was anchored by Chris Spielman and had Benny blades in the back, but taking cover the top of the defense, things like that. So when we talk about these good teams and we look at these good teams in lions history, there's very few to pick from. And so when we pick one, and I'd say the 1991 team that went to the conference championship, and yes, they ended up losing and ultimately did not get to the promised land, but they ended up losing to the eventual Super Bowl champs. I'm going to go with the best team in my lifetime is the one that had the most success being the 1991 Detroit Lions. What about you? And that playoff win was an emphatic playoff an win. An emphatic. 38-6, to I think it was, against the Dallas Cowboys. They they
1: beat the brakes off the Cowboys. And this is not, this isn't the 2010s Cowboys or 2020s Cowboys. This was right before the
0: Cowboys became the triplets.
1: A dynasty, right? Before they truly became America's team on the cusp of it. This is the equivalent I would give them is Jordan's Bulls when the Detroit Pistons were beating up on them before they really took the next step and had their dynasty. And
0: truthfully, this was a team that was made up, this Cowboys team was a team that was made up of the Cowboys that we all came to know in the mid-90s, Emmitt's on the team, Yeah, Irvin's on the team, Daryl Johnson, Moose is on the team, Troy Aikman's their quarterback. This is a team that, but the Lions, let me pull this up real quick, but 38-6, to 6, man. That, that's pretty yeah, to, convincing to beat the, fashion to
1: beat up that Cowboys in listen. Yes, they were young. They weren't the dynasty yet, but as AJ just said, they had all those building blocks. They had so many of those pieces, all the mm-hmm. famous stars of the nineties Cowboys that built that franchise into what, what became right. America's team to beat that team the way that they did is an accomplishment, especially mm-hmm. when we're talking, listen, we're picking bare bones here because we're not going back to the great lions teams of yore. so When you look at what AJ has to choose from, it's a no-brainer. As he said, it's the one team that truly had success. And while they did get blown out by the Redskins, the eventual Super Bowl champion, they absolutely proved that they belonged and were somewhat a contender, Mm -hmm. which is not something that you can say for pretty much any Lions teams. But if you can stretch your imagination a little bit, I want to paint a picture where the lions team I am choosing was a contender. And that sounds borderline blasphemous. And I know I've already lost some people. When I say things like the lions have been a contender in the modern era, people say that that doesn't compute. When were the lions a contender? They've never even won the division since it's become the NFC North. They don't have any NFC North titles. The last time they won the division, it was the NFC central. Yeah. So, I think the Buccaneers were in our division, actually, the last time we won the division. I could be mistaken on that. My youth is showing a you
0: little bit. You are correct, but it is the NFC Central Division. Beautiful. That what, was one, when one they out of won. Two.
1: What about the and Buccaneers? Were the Buccaneers in the division? Am I going two for two?
0: I can pull that we'll up. We'll get back real to it. Quick. You can the, pull it up. You can pull you it, up it You are correct. You are correct. See I'm the Vikings, young, but I'm not the Packers, that young. Tampa Bay. Beautiful.
1: I'm young, but I'm Bay not A
0: three and thirteen ignorant. Tampa Bay team. That's pretty But rough. Paul. Pretty bad. So I'm giving you I'm giving you my nineteen ninety one is my the team, right? Yes. Talk to us about who you think in your lifetime so is the best I, line. I
1: don't have the ninety one team is not included in my scope that I felt comfortable discussing. I of course know a lot about the ninety one team, but I didn't live that and was coherent during that while we I wasn't watching that season, of course. So I don't want to discuss things that I really didn't live, at least to this extent. So my frame of reference, because that team blew up shortly after. Barry ended up leaving the team and everything fell apart. And then we were super bad for a really long time. And we haven't made the playoffs a lot since. We famously do not have any playoff wins since. So there is only a couple teams really in this conversation And my pick is a no-brainer, so I'm going to spend more time talking about why this team was actually even better and closer to a title than people imagined, more than I spend time trying to convince you that they're the best team I've seen, because it's not that much of a debate. 2011 is one of the teams you may try to throw in that debate, but that defense was so poor in the core, the good players on that team that we had were so young and inexperienced. They just were absolutely not ready, even though the offense tried to carry that team, especially once Javid Best went down. I would hear your arguments if you wanted to tell me if Javid Best stays healthy. Things could have went different that season, but you weren't fixing that defense, even if you could have kept them off the field a little bit more. So the best team to me is clearly the 2014 Detroit Lions. Uh. And I want to talk about a little bit... Number one, when I say best team, which no matter how you cut it, they are the best team, but I'm talking team. And I'm really going to take coaching out of this equation because when I talk about the best team, I'm talking about a collection of talent and what they're capable of.
0: Who was the coach had... in 2014,
1: Paul? Jim Caldwell yeah, was okay. the coach in 2014. Yeah, that's what I figured. And
0: that's why you're taking was... coaching out of the equation because you hate Jim well, Caldwell because, with Well, passion. and I will
1: explain why this team could have been so much better – Then they actually performed on the field because they had some talent. In fact, I'm going to tell you, this team was built exceptionally similarly to this year's Super Bowl champion, the L.A. Rams, who also happened to have Matt Stafford at quarterback, grizzled vet Matt Stafford at this point at quarterback. These are actually very similarly built teams. Just one had Really good coaching and caught a few more breaks. All right. They didn't have the calls like we had in Dallas in 2014 or during that season. It would have technically been 2015 go against us the way Don't that did. started. So let's talk about this team in the collection of talent. That have you we
0: ever have. seen a pass interference call picked up? Let's just get that off the rip right away. Have you ever seen a pass interference flag I've... picked up?
1: I want to say now. I probably have seen it a few times since then. Since they can before challenge then, it, before yeah, even before that call, I cannot recall having seen one. Probably had. I watch a lot of football, but it's not just that they picked it up. It's the whole sequence of events. One that it was clearly pass interference, of course. That it was you threw the flag because it was the right call, and then you pick it up. That that happens. That doesn't happen. Like I'll see a flag thrown, and then they'll discuss it. and They'll be like, nah. It wasn't, it really wasn't there and pick it up. And that's okay. This was clearly pass interference. If you didn't want to call pass interference, you could have called holding on the route. On top of that, immediately after you have a helmetless Des Bryant running all over the field like a lunatic, which is an automatic unsportsmanlike 15 yard penalty. It was something the league had made a big deal out of it. No call. They don't. It's and listen, I've heard all the nonsense. That, oh, you can't let one call ruin your game. Oh, Jim Caldwell should have called it better game. I that did, though. Are, all these things are true. But if that call goes differently and you want to not – I don't want to look in hindsight and say, oh, we would have won the game. No, we would have won the game. There's no doubt about it. And, yes, we had chances to win at the end, and we didn't do it. But everyone's like, oh, you can't let one play define your game or define your season. When you're talking, you're in the playoffs, and you're talking about two teams who are probably – at a similar level one play can easily swing a game like that
0: and correct me if i'm wrong but that happened like late in the third quarter too if not early fourth
1: and it was points off the board it was momentum back in dallas's favor who was at home let's not forget that this was Dallas's and it also doesn't
0: help that sam martin shanked a six-yard punt immediately after that (laughs) Uh, which would have never
1: happened would have never happened I, so, so, but I don't want to relitigate that game for sure. just to justify how good this team was. I want to talk about this team, and we're going to start with what the 2011 team didn't have, and that's a defense, DVOA, which is Football Outsiders, one of their advanced metrics to judge. They judge both defense and offense with it, and it is weighted for the competition you play. They take garbage time out of it. They had Detroit as the number one defense in the NFL. That season. Just this one statistic, it is an advanced statistic. And it's a quite good one in 2014. Now, I do not agree with that. And th- it is a little bit, our defense was built for a bygone era. And when I say that, we had a historically good run defense. We were anchored by, and Dominic and Sue, of course, considered far and away at the time, the best defensive tackle in the NFL. Absolutely. This is, I think it was pre stomp. But even if it wasn't, he was at the time, because they're far and away the best defensive tackle, in a while, and he was a game wrecker. He was a game wrecker all on his own. We had Ezekiel Anza, who was very good. Yeah. We had DeAndre Levy, the DeAndre Levy that was capable of leading the league in interceptions mm-hmm. and playing sideline to sideline as a rangy linebacker. He could blitz and get a sack. He could pick off a quarterback. He was sticky in coverage. He was. Absolutely. Elite. One of the best linebackers in the NFL. We had a decent secondary. We had Glover Quinn Glover Quinn, one of the best signings, honest to God, free agency signings we made. If I recall, it was a five year, $25 million deal. He was considered the second best free safety and free agency. We got him for just 5 million bucks a year. And he ended up being by far the best signing. He was money. He was That money team also had Nick th-
0: Fairley, didn't it? They did later. have Nick Fairley.
1: The, no, I'm pretty sure they had Nick Fairley because I think they took Nick Fairley the year after they took Sue. It was within
0: a couple years for sure. Which, really nice one-two punch on your defensive well, line.
1: He never panned out as, as much as people hoped.
0: For but sure. But he, he could sure. stuff
1: the run and he was a solid player. Our secondary was not great. You had guys like Tahir Whitehead, who we got from Jacksonville, who was a little older and free agency playing cornerback, and doing an admirable job. But that was the weakness a little bit. We were not an elite pass defense. We were vulnerable through the air. And it showed when we played very good passing teams. We would shut down the run against anybody. We were very good at stopping the run, and we developed a lot of pass rush, especially interior pass rush, helped by guys like and Sue, which, of course, can help derail an offense. And that masked a lot of our deficiencies in the secondary that were not horrible, but we had some flaws in the secondary. And because we lacked a little bit of balance on the defense and were built for kind of a bygone era of football, they weren't the best defense in football that year, even though DVOA had them as the best defense in football. But they were very good. They were a very good defense. So that's very important. You have to have a good defense. It's something the Lions have not had much in the last 20, 25, 30 years even, and especially in the Matt Stafford era, which is when we're talking, we want to look at how, when they could have had the most talent. Of course, it's when you have your super recent Super Bowl champion playing quarterback for you. See, we talk about offense. Well, you had Matt Stafford. You have Calvin Johnson. Arguably the greatest receiver to ever play. Throw him up there at Jerry Rice. Throw him up there at Randy Moss. It is a complete receiver. Speed, size, route running. Ability to catch the ball in traffic. How many highlight reel catches does he have with three defenders draped on him? Really, truly a complete receiver that was a burner. You put a guy that is 6'5", 230 pounds. With Tyreek Hill's speed, in route running as good as anybody in the NFL, you just you couldn't cover him. He put up a 300-yard game almost against the Cowboys. Not in that playoff game, but in his career, like around that time, he put up almost a 300-yard game with one team. That's how good he was. You also have the ever-underrated Golden Tate. Golden Tate was awesome. He was a sick slot receiver. So you have two monsters at receiver, and you have Matt Stafford dishing them the ball. And your backfield looks pretty decent. You have Reggie Bush, who never became the superstar that a lot of people thought he was going to be out of college, but he was certainly a solid runner. And you had Joyke Bell before Joyke Bell completely fell off the wagon as far as injuries and derailing, but he came out of nowhere. As a he, he played at Wayne State locally, and then he was thought was going to be a camp body, makes the team. And then all of a sudden, hey, this guy can actually run a little bit. So you had a nice duo in the backfield. The you had an efficiency. You had Theo Riddick too, which adds to your, essentially your pass catchers, because he is one of the best pass catching backs in the NFL, which Reggie Bush is good at catching passes too. So you have weapons on offense. And you have an exceptional quarterback. A quarterback that now we know is capable of winning a Super Bowl. A quarterback that is thrown for 40 touchdowns in a season, that is thrown for 5,000 yards. He did it a few years prior to this season. You do have a deficiency on offensive line. But of course, if we're talking about the Lions, there's going to be a deficiency because there's not many complete teams in the NFL, especially if we're talking about Lions teams. The offensive line was not great. They were extra bad at run blocking and their pass blocking, it it wavered. It was really up and down, but they could pass pro a bit. It wasn't horrible at times. What they had is arguably, and I will say that I've ever seen, absolutely that I've ever seen, and I'm not going to go back a hundred years. You have the worst offensive play caller I've ever seen in the NFL. Not even close. What Joe Lombardi brought to this team was such a negative net value. The way that he was able to hold back this team. You have seen what Matt Stafford has done with less talent on offense. We were in the 20s in score, we scored 20 points a game in 2014. 20 points a game. This team that won 11 games should have won 12 and won the conference. We went to Lambeau, I believe week 17, with a chance to win the conference. Got hosed a little bit, but also didn't play our best game.
0: Lost by and, and 10. And we
1: ended up blowing it. But we went to Lambeau with a chance to win the division. And we didn't. We lost. But 20 points a game won us 11 games. 20 points a game with all that talent. Because what did they do? They ran an exceptionally predictable offense. The run pass sequencing was abhorrent. There was a lack of play action use. There was a lack of playing to any of our players' strengths. They completely neutered Stafford. And it was all, we're going to rein him in. We're going to cut down on the turnovers. Because that's really what's been plaguing us. And we're going to make him more of a game manager. Yeah, because that's a great idea. That's really how you unlock... The talent of Matt Stafford—that's just genius-level thinking from Jim Caldwell and Joe Lombardi—and yeah. so you take a team with all this talent that the year before they had a better offense, and the year before that they had a better offense it, under the much-maligned Scott Linehan and Jim Schwartz era. And now you have all this talent. You add Golden Tate. You have all that. You add Reggie Bush. Your offensive line's a little better, and you score twenty points a game. You're in the bottom third of the NFL in offense. It's not good. Points per drive wasn't any better. I had that up. I don't have that up right now. Also in the 20s. It was rough. It was really bad. And you look at that and you're like, wow, if we could have paired a real offense with that defense we had, we could have really had something special. But it goes even deeper. And it goes deeper because even with what we had, the awful coaching we had, Jim Caldwell being a complete buffoon. And I will not have decorum when I speak about Jim Caldwell because he is an absolute buffoon. In the atrocious play calling we had from Joe Lombardi, and, and you look at what happened in Dallas, that we were an all time officiating blunder from winning on the road in Dallas, winning that playoff game. And so you look, okay, they could have won a playoff game, they could have beat Dallas. But does that really mean they were close to contending? Well, what happened to Dallas? Dallas lost in controversial fashion the following week to Green Bay.
0: Deservedly
1: the so. De- the Des Bryant. The Des Deservedly Bryant. Was so. it a catch? Was it not a catch? Did he it complete the It was absolutely process? a
0: catch, and <laughs> they got screwed. It was a catch. They, they hey, screwed. what
1: goes around comes around, For of sure. course.
0: Listen, so, to your point about contention, I just want to let you know this. To your point about contention with this 2014 team, I lived in Texas at the time, so I had to watch – First of all, our matchup with a bunch of Dallas Cowboy fans, which was, I've never been so mad in my life. First Horrifying. Then I got to watch the following week with a bunch of Dallas Cowboy fans, which was equally as gratifying. But I had told Jess before they played in Dallas, I said, listen, the Super Bowl this year is in Houston. And there's a really good chance that if they squeak by Dallas, they're going to beat Green Bay and be in the Super Bowl. That's how confident I was in that team because of how much of a contender we all felt like we had, we all knew, it like the- we all knew. And I remember talking about, no, I wasn't with DSN at that time, but I just remember the feeling of, and hearing people say if Detroit gets by Dallas, don't be surprised if they're in Houston. And I told Jess, I go, I don't care what it costs. We are going to Houston because this we're going will to the never Super Bowl, happen baby. again. For
1: the people out there, there are going to be people that we're losing right now. That They're like, these dudes are just washed. I mean, what are they talking about? Let me break it down. T- so that Dallas team had to play Green Bay, which we would have had to play Green Bay. They should have beaten Green Bay, but mm-hmm. they didn't. Could have, should have, would have. This is a Green Bay team that, mind you, the Lions had already beaten at the se- in the season at home. We had a nice win over Green Bay at home. Then, of course, week 17, we went to Lambeau and we ended up blowing it. Didn't win, but we split with Green Bay during the regular season and were more than capable of beating them. So you, you can't say we weren't on par with Green Bay and you can't say we weren't on par with Dallas. What happened the following week after Green Bay beat Dallas? They had to go and play Seattle in the Legion of Boom. And it took an actual miracle for Seattle to win that game. It took an all-time collapse. Russell Wilson, I believe, threw five interceptions in that playoff game. Like, it like it was bad. And it took a complete collapse by Green Bay. And Green Bay loses to Seattle down at the wire. Just a close-fought game. And then what Super Bowl did we have that year? We had Seattle versus the New England Patriots in the famous goal-line interception. We have the Patriots taking it. Super lately, that you're like, oh my God, the Patriots did it again. They won. And they take a super late lead in the Super Bowl. Then you have a miracle catch for Seattle that helps get them down to the one yard line. And it's like, oh my God, the Patriots defense blew it again. And then Russell Wilson throws his famous interception and they lose the Super Bowl to the Pats. And the reason I bring up all these games is to illustrate that none of these teams was clearly ahead of the other. All of these teams that we're talking about were right there. They were all contenders, all capable of beating each other. And I don't mean on any given Sunday miracle, if all of those games were played 10 times, a team doesn't win probably more than six of them, right? Like we're talking about a five and five series or a six and four, which of course we don't get to play the game 10 times. But the point is, even with our incompetent coaching, with our horrible misuse of our offensive Staff and,
0: and don't forget and players, don't forget we lost that game to Dallas by only four points
1: with a complete blow. So we were right there. We were right there with New England as a Super Bowl team. We were right there as with Seattle as a Super Bowl team. We already knew that we were right there with Green Bay, who lost in heartbreaking fashion in the conference championship. And of course, we think we should have beat Dallas. So now, to me, this now, is a no brainer To green. that
0: point, a little bit earlier in the season, they had lost to New England. By 20.
1: Early in the season.
0: yeah, about It was early in the week season. Nine.
1: And they did in the regular season. And we saw how that played out. Of course, mm-hmm. kind of like we lost to the Redskins by a right. million points in the beginning of the season. But we were very close. And what breaks my heart the most about this is had we hired a different coach, there's a good chance we not only go to the Super Bowl, but win the Super Bowl. And I know that sounds crazy and is going to lose people. But... We hired Jim Caldwell, who hired Joe Lombardi, which tanked the offense. But it goes deeper than that. Joe Lombardi, coming from New Orleans, wanted his Jimmy Graham. This is back in the era where Jimmy Graham was putting up a gazillion yard and touchdown seasons, and New Orleans was the focal point of that offense with Drew Brees. And he wanted his Jimmy Graham. So what did the Lions do? When so many people in the draft thought that they were going to choose Aaron Donald, they drafted Eric Ebron. If you hire a different coaching staff, it is almost a given that the Lions, the way the draft ended up shaking out, were going to draft Aaron Donald. It is possible that the Lions would have went in a different direction. Some people said, oh, maybe they would have drafted Odell Beckham. But why would they draft Odell Beckham when they had Calvin Johnson and Golden Tate? And if they did draft Odell Beckham... Could you imagine the three-headed monster? Don't forget Odell Beckham put up like 1,300 yards his rookie season or something bonkers like that. It's not awesome out of the gate, okay? So it's not like it would have hurt the team had we taken Beckham, but more than likely we would have taken Aaron Donald. And you say, okay, how much is a rookie defensive tackle going to help your team? Well, Aaron Donald as a rookie was an all-pro. Aaron Donald as a rookie got in the conversation – with Endomic and Sue for best defensive tackle in the entire NFL, can you imagine the defense that had those two in their absolute prime playing next to each other? Can you even fathom that? And then you have a different coaching staff that doesn't completely butcher all the offensive talent you have? That is a Super Bowl caliber team, even with their deficiencies. On off on the offensive line, and the reason I compared this team early in the segment to this year's Rams team that won the title, this year's Rams team had a poor offensive line. They could kind of pass block and was the worst by far run blocking team in the entire NFL. Absolutely horrible. So they didn't have a run game. The Rams this year didn't have a run game. They couldn't run block at all. Their offensive line was a weakness. What did the Rams have? They had Matt Stafford and they had a couple of really good receivers, mostly Cooper Cup. They had some really good receivers, Matt Stafford, and a good play caller. What was their defense like? Their defense was hit and miss. They're considered a lot better than they are, although I would, I get that 2014 Lions defense better than this Rams defense, no doubt. In fact, that 2014 Lions team was more talented than the Super Bowl champ Rams team, no doubt. But that Rams defense, a little bit vulnerable against the pass, better against the run. An elite all-world player. And Aaron Donald, who should have been playing for the Lions, whereas we had an elite all-world player at the time in and Sue. These teams were built exceptionally similar. The difference is coaching. That's it. That's it. So 2014, by far the best Lions team that we ever had, way closer to contention than people realized, complete missed opportunity, stars aligned in the negative way. Like you people say, oh, it's the stars aligning season. That happened to us. To keep us from achieving. It was the hell circle aligning is what that was. So definitely the best team.
0: All right. I think you made your case. And I think that we have laid out pretty decent arguments for those two good teams. Again, not the best all time. Because we're not... My dad wasn't even alive in 1957. So we're not going back that far. We're only looking at teams that were around in our lifetime. And really... There are only three to choose from if you. So that's who we got the 1991 Detroit Lions for me, the 2014 Detroit Lions for Paul. But Paul, let's talk about an actual champion. Someone who actually got some hardware and got that hardware this week. And I know you've got a picture of the rings that are being distributed by the University of Michigan football team. So why don't you go ahead and throw those beautiful pieces of jewelry up on the screen? So everybody can see what they look like. And let's discuss these rings. As AJ said, Michigan football,
1: big 10 champions in the 2021 season. And they got their hardware this week. And of course, as they're one to do, the Michigan football account tweeted out a picture of the ring. And it stirred up some recent controversy. And it really, what it really stirred up is a lot of insecurity. I'm going to throw it up on the screen. Like AJ asked me to. Now I want you to take a look at these. If you're on They're a cell pretty. phone and the screen's kind of small, maybe bump up the quality on your YouTube video. Is Look real closely. See if you they can see anything really good, man. on the ridge of these rings, especially on the right ring there. These are very nice rings. On the left side, we've got our college football playoff berth, 2021. And on the rim of that, these are Big Ten championship rings, of course. It says University of Michigan, 42. Iowa, 3. Is that a 3? Man, we really kicked the piss out of Iowa. It
0: we had a great time watching rough. that game at your house, too. Oh, such that a was great such time. such a fun time.
1: The centerpiece of the ring, we have that nice, beautiful Big Ten trophy surrounded by mm-hmm. million, what I assume are, are cubic zirconias, with a nice Michigan logo emblazoned on them. Big Ten at the top, champions on the bottom. Yeah. And then on the right side, on the other side of the ring, it says hardball coach, which, of course, the players will have their names on their own ring. It says 12 wins. And on that little rim, a small little ridge, just like the Iowa game, it says Mm -hmm. University of Michigan 42, Ohio State 27. And this is where the controversy, if you want to call it that, it's light for that, but I'm going to do it locally. It's been a little bit of something. has started to get stirred up. You see, if you recall, AJ, Michigan State unveiled some rings, I want to say a couple months ago. It feels like forever ago. I don't remember the exact date. And they were Peach Bowl rings. Nothing to do with the Big Ten. Not a college football playoff ring. So we went to the Peach Bowl, and we were successful against a team that didn't have a quarterback playing. Seriously, NFL quarterback Kenny Pickett didn't play for Pittsburgh. Not knocking anybody. Listen, you won the game. You can only play who's in front of you. Not knocking the win. Just laying out context. So you get a Peach Bowl ring, which you should. Very you should get a ring.
0: You are laying out the you context very backhandedly. You should <laughs> You get know a that ring. you're doing it very backhandedly.
1: Having some fun. All right? You should get a ring. You went and you won not just a a bowl game, but a New Year's six bowl game. Yeah. It is a big victory. You had an eleven win season. For so sure. it was a really nice season, especially it wasn't really expected out of either Michigan team to do what mm-hmm. they did this season. So very nice season, eleven wins, peach bowl victory. You want to rep that blink. But they did something curious, AJ. Yeah.
0: And they, did. I remember they put
1: this. the score of the Michigan game on the Peach Bowl ring, and I'm going to let you in a second kind of explain your thoughts on it, but I want to make sure this context is very clear here so that people can start seeing a few differences, but we're talking about a Peach Bowl ring, no affiliation with the Big Ten, and you put the score of a game on, you beat your rival, which is cool, but that game was meaningless because that rival that you beat won your conference, you are putting your rival that won the conference that you're mm-hmm. in, that you didn't win. You lost the conference to that team. So you won the battle, but you lost the war. But you're putting the battle on your ring yeah. that has nothing to do with the game or the conference. See, if you want, in my thing is if you want to give out a ring for the Michigan game on its own, there's nothing wrong with that.
0: No, Ohio State does it with give, the bronze pants. Give, There's nothing give out, wrong give with it. Give
1: out a ring that says we beat Michigan. Put our logo right. on it. Put Paul Bunyan on one side. Put the score For of the game sure. on the other. Super cool with that. Right. Nothing wrong with all of that. But you take a bowl game ring with no Big Ten affiliation. And you put, not just that so you beat them, but this is the team that won your conference. You won the battle and you lost the war, but you still put the battle on your ring. Like, are we going to fly a rebel flag and put like the battle of no, I don't know how many we're battles absolutely South 1. not going to fly. I don't a know rebel how many battles the South won in the Civil War. I don't know about do you, put...
0: but I don't like to fly the flag of traitors. And no, of course, so... but they
1: lost the war. So okay. are we going to fly a rebel flag and put one of the battles no. the South won on it? That'd be really weird, right? That'd be like
0: super weird. It, here's the thing, right? It is one of those situations where if you don't like the little brother moniker, stop acting like the little brother. And this just screams little brother to me. Like, you get a Peach Bowl ring, but don't put the Peach Bowl score on it. You put the score of a game that happened in October four months, three months prior to the game that you're actually getting the ring for. That makes no three sense. Months. So three here's the months. deal. But here's the thing, right? With And the reason why it's different contextually. Michigan's ring is a Big Ten ring. Michigan had to beat those two teams, one of them being a rival that they had not beaten in 15 years to get to the Big Ten championship game and the semifinal berth. So the ring actually makes sense and it actually has significance. The Peach Bowl ring with the Michigan score on it is odd, shall we say? It's odd. It's just one of those things that you sit back and go, we know that you only care about one game. You could go one in 10, but you'll put make a ring that says we beat Michigan. Lovable losers, right? I don't know what the thought process was behind the Michigan State ring. Listen, congratulations on a Peach Bowl win. You have one more bowl win than the Michigan Wolverines have this year. Congratulations. But guess what you don't have? A Big Ten championship. And guess when your last Big Ten championship was? What, 2014? It was a while ago. I know that. 15. 15. 15. Okay, I'm sorry. When they went to the playoffs. It wasn't eight years ago. It was seven years ago. It was a different...
1: It feels like a different era. I know it it wasn't that long ago. It does feel like a different era. Michigan went longer.
0: Michigan hasn't won since 2004. but, But listen, what you're doing is... You are the little brother holding on to the coattails of the big brother that actually went somewhere this year. And you're like, oh, guess what? You went to the playoff, but we beat you. Congratulations. You are one hiccup. And had we beaten you, we wouldn't have been playing Georgia in the semifinal game. It, so, OK, great. Congratulations. You ruined our season. But guess what? You did it. In fact, you were the catalyst that led us to. The, and s- and that's, the, my a, final that's such
1: a great point because if that loss doesn't happen like that, d- does the rest of the season play out the same? Probably d- not. I don't know. It, it, Probably it just, not. There's so many things to go into a football season. And when that galvanizes a team, that's like, wow, we're right there. And, and it's, we can't have another hiccup. We can't have another letdown. Do they? Do they – Penn State but Penn
0: but I really don't think do. that Michigan State was a letdown for Michigan. Michigan truly just got beat that day. Kenneth Walker had a great day, and you've got to applaud him, and you've got to give him of a course. pat on the back and McDonald's say, "Listen, man, had
1: his worst you, day.
0: You d- had a great day. Our defense did not have a great day. Your quarterback kept you in the game, but like you didn't knock our socks off. You beat us by three points."
1: With and a we, lot of help.
0: With a lot of help. Okay, but uh, some of that was also self-inflicted help from Michigan. JJ oh, fumbling of a handoff, it, and all those different kind of things. Like, there. So,
1: McDonald had his worst day multiple times, caught making substitutions, right. and, and those runs came with precisely. The and we
0: talked about that. But the situation, Paul, it, this is what I'm saying. It's not. You you won a good football game. Congratulate. Like I'm not mad at you that you put a score on a ring. It just seems odd that you put it on this. It's It's just weird. And that's why
1: we're talking about it, especially in context of Michigan's. I do want to clarify one thing. They did have the peach bowl score on the other side of the ring. Okay. Okay. So listen, it was on the other side. Okay.
0: Then I wish you would have said that up front. You, I never said it
1: wasn't, but I didn't say it wasn't you assumed,
0: but listen at the end of the day. Okay. But hold on. That information changes things just a little bit ball. It no, does it change things a little bit. It does. In a lot of ways, it changes things because guess what? They celebrated their Peach Bowl win, and they celebrated the biggest win that they had all season. I Now you made me look like I'm backtracking. Thank you for the you setup. To, Did I ever say anything different? No, but you didn't give full context, and you're a context guy that you just completely left me hanging See, off the, the head. The bed.
1: context to me that matters is this ring has nothing to do with Michigan in any way. Sure, I
0: get all that, but it and does, you, you though. Can say, because
1: oh, oh how, if we didn't beat Michigan, we wouldn't have been in the Peach Bowl. Okay, maybe you beat okay, Purdue. So well, that's g- how seasons
0: work. So hold on a second. Michigan goes undefeated all season, loses to Ohio State at the end of the season, and goes to the Capital One Bowl. Or no, I take that back. Let me give you a different scenario. Michigan, that's fine. no, it's fine. Hold on, out of the playoff conversation, beats Ohio State, goes to the Capital One Bowl, gets a ring for the Capital One Bowl, and puts the Ohio State score on that. Is it any different?
1: It's the exact same. It would, I would be livid.
0: But the Capital One Bowl is traditionally an SEC team versus a Big Ten team, so there are Big Ten ties.
1: No, I would be livid. It would be the same. It would be the same.
0: I don't think there are listen, would be the absolute you've, same. you've made me, listen, you've made me to, look like listen, a backtracker and somebody that is a flip-flopper. And I'm, now I'm like a well, little let bit, me because, throw you, let because me throw I have, you I don't have an issue. Line. I don't let have me throw an issue you a with you putting let your biggest you win line. on that ring. Go ahead.
1: Let me throw you a lifeline. What we are comparing is the rings themselves. Because it is different what Michigan did to what Michigan State did. Sure. Whether you are okay with what Michigan State did, which, and I want to be clear, that's not really what this discussion is supposed to be about. Because I think it's extremely little, brother. Because Michigan has nothing to do with that. And if you say, oh, we wouldn't have gone to that bowl game if we didn't beat Michigan. You can't say that. It's also their biggest win of
0: the season, though
1: maybe you don't drop a ridiculous game against Purdue that you had no business losing. Or maybe Nebraska doesn't kick a punt to the wrong side of the field. Like we can play what ifs all season. You can't say, Oh, we had to win that game. Whereas Michigan on the last day of the season, it was beat Ohio state or your season's over. And they beat Ohio state to win the big Ten East and go play for that Big Ten championship ring against Iowa. Those you basically have, and Jim Harbaugh said it. Jim Harbaugh said it before the Ohio State game. He said, right now, every game we play is a playoff game. For and sure. You talk about the playoff, every game we're playing right now is a playoff game. It's win I or go home. agree with it in that So sense. we won the playoff against Ohio State. But I also we think that it's playoff. a little
0: bit too difficult or a little bit maybe too harsh to be like, they have their peach bowl win, which they're celebrating on one side. And then they're also celebrating the fact that they won the biggest game or their biggest win of the season. Would it be any different if they had beaten Ohio state that year and put Ohio state instead of Michigan on the ring? Well, they never would do that. That's <laughs> they, the thing. You don't, they, they wouldn't
1: might. do that. No, they would not do that. That's they did it because it's Michigan. Okay. And that's, what makes it, but it's different than Michigan's ring. There regardless of whether you think, ring. regardless of whether you think their ring is kosher or not, to say, see, because what has happened when Michigan posted these rings, because whether you agree with the outcry or not, there was a lot of making fun of Michigan State for what they did with the ring. Whether you agree with it or not, that's not really what's up for debate. For sure. When this ring came out, all those Michigan State fans pointed and are like, oh, I guess Michigan's the same. They put the Ohio State score on the ring they're doing the same thing no in what i want to make clear here in what really this discussion is about it's yeah. not about whether you're cool with what michigan state did it's that they are not the same they are completely no. different yeah and michigan, if michigan had did to beat this, ohio state i, I to get want to be exceptionally clear rings. i want to be exceptionally clear if michigan did this if michigan in the same scenario right doesn't win the conference loses the conference to, to michigan state or whatever but beats Ohio State and puts loses the conference to Ohio State. Say they beat Ohio State, but Ohio State still wins the conference. And then they put the Ohio State game on the ring. I would make fun of them all the same. I would be like, this is really, this is loser energy, honestly, is what that is. Because you, you put the team on your ring that you beat that won your conference, despite mm-hmm. you beating them. You had the built-in advantage of beating them. Which is a two game swing in conference, right? That's worth two games. When you if you're vying for a conference title and you beat them, that's worth two games. You had the advantage of beating them and they still won the conference over you. So you won the battle, you lost the war. I would make fun of Michigan all the same. I'll be very clear about that. I'm not going I uh, under the Hoke era, we made I don't even remember what bowl game it was. It might have been the Brandon Peters disaster. No, I'm sorry, not Brandon Peters, Jesus. Shane Morris, remember what god-awful quarterback was playing for us. We made rings for a bowl game that we lost. Might have been the Outback Bowl, might have been a different bowl. We had rings for a bowl game that we lost. And I believe it had the Michigan State score on the ring that season. And it may have even been a season that Michigan State won the conference. I'm not sure on all the details. But that was loser energy. Yeah. Under a coach, Brady Hoke. That was the ultimate participation kind of coach, right? Yeah. And that was, and I look at that, and that's not the program that I want to be. So I would make fun of Michigan all the same, but at the end of the day, it's really, it's not about whether you agree with Michigan or Michigan State or how they did the ring. That's not what it is. It's that there's a very clear difference in what these two teams did this season with their ring, that Michigan State putting Michigan on their ring is completely different than Michigan putting Ohio State on their ring, yeah, and one of them them far more relevant than the other, and that's what it is, is it for sure? But I I think
0: again, I don't think it's that big of a deal to put the score of your rival on your ring, which is fine, but it is different. I I agree with you, Michigan hadn't won the
1: conference. If Michigan hadn't won the conference, it wouldn't be as bad. Cuz no. because if neither of you win the conference and have anything major to celebrate, for sure. now you're just putting a rivalry game on the ring.
0: But I agree but with when you. That you celeb- is definitely when you ce-
1: when you celebrate winning a battle but losing the war to that same mm-hmm. side, that you can't to me you, you don't do that. No. That's can't. what it is for me. And- yeah, it's your biggest win, but is it? Honest to God, shouldn't the Peach Bowl have been their biggest win? Like I understand well, that it was on the, the, the level of Michigan. But you won a New Year's Six game. The Michigan game, outside of being a rivalry game, ended up being a meaningless game. Yeah. So your biggest win, whether it was your most enjoyed or not, really was your New Year's Six win. It wasn't the best team you beat. Wasn't the best team you beat, but that was your biggest win. Which of course, well, yeah, it was a peach bowl ring. But
0: But it is. That's all.
1: It's not the same.
0: There is an element of riding the coattails of Michigan success when you do something like that. Which I'm fine there. with
1: because I love it.
0: Yeah, for sure. And that's
1: what and this will fuel another offseason of rivalry.
0: Of course. It, as if we
1: needed more chirping. And
0: it, correct me if I'm wrong, we're not getting into this tonight, but were you not complimenting both schools on their recruiting in the month of June?
1: I was. Both in, We may talk about this soon. Both yeah, Michigan State and Michigan very differently, but doing a bang up job of starting to see their classes shape up this June. And there's going to be a lot of commitments coming down the line this summer for both programs. Michigan, a lot of people think a little bit of a slow start to the recruiting season, but people just, they don't seem to understand that the better your class is going to be and the bigger team you are. Your class comes together later in the year. Yeah. If you look at the top 10 of recruiting right now, you have teams like Texas Tech and Cincinnati and Northwestern in it because they pick up their recruits early. Alabama's like 40th in the country right now. We know they're going to finish in the top three of recruiting. Yeah. So and it's not a race.
0: It's not a race. It's a marathon. It's not
1: a race. But both, we both schools... Get-
0: to recruiting, both talk. schools doing really well. Save right now. some of the information for when we actually do it. Oh, a I have so much. I right. can never give it away. You always so have much. so much. And that's why we got to cap it here tonight. We'll talk about recruiting next week. And I actually look forward to that conversation so that we can start to. We're, Paul, we're two and a half months away. We are We're eight, ten weeks away from college. As excited football kickoff. as I am,
1: do not kill the summer yet. I still I'm have not, some no, I, wakeboarding I mean, and Jets to do.
0: And I've got baseball to watch and golf to play. So I get it, man. I'm not trying to kill it, but we're not that far away from college football being back. And we're excited to talk about that and any other aspect of football that we can think up on a given week. Hard this, knocks soon, baby. Hard knocks is starting pretty soon as well for the Detroit Lions, which is going to be amazing to see the types of quotes that we get from Dan Campbell and just to see I think him and Hutchinson are just going to be like, steal the show. But we'll get to that as well as along with a number of other football topics. Here on Beyond the Box for Paul Rochon, I am AJ Riley, and we will see you next week.